Hello everyone, this is Ivan Olek Smith with Yoga You Online and I'm very pleased to be here today with Iyengar yoga teacher, yoga therapist and physical therapist Julie Goodmanstead. In today's world of yoga, it has become a buzzword to make yoga more accessible to all types of bodies. But long before the need for a more inclusive approach to teaching yoga, Julie was working in her own quiet way to develop <laughs> yoga teaching methodology to do exactly that. In fact, Julie has devoted her professional life to integrating the healing benefits of yoga with her medical training as a physical therapist to make yoga more available to every type of body and every type of need. Julie has integrated many decades of working with patients um, as a physical therapist with also her 40 years of teaching yoga and has created her own unique teaching style. And if you want to catch up with Julie, you can find her at goodmistedyoga.com and you should look up if you're interested to learn more her extensive workshop uh, scheduled. You know, Julie teaches anatomy of asana and theoretic applications of yoga uh, both in the US, Canada and also Europe. Um, Julie is located in Portland, Oregon uh, where she owns a combined PT and yoga studio. So Julie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the nice introduction, Eva. Yes, it's heartfelt. Yes, I, thank you. I, I think it's not really often acknowledged that um, you were out there making yoga accessible to everyone before anyone was, anyone was even thinking about it. Well, that's probably true, although I, I don't make too big a fuss about it, but I, that is probably true. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, now that the, the world of yoga has become more uh, aware of the need to make yoga more accessible, do you find that uh, the need for your work has diminished or uh, maybe the opposite? I would say that it has not diminished, actually. Um, there's uh, many teachers and, uh, you know, serious practitioners uh, are kind of, becoming aware of what their knowledge limitations are, and they're very hungry to learn more. Um, of course, all teachers' intentions are, are sterling, wanting to help people, um, help people have a, a practice that is going to help them heal their problems and, and not injure them. And so I, I find that there's a lot of teachers who are hungry for more knowledge and um, very enthusiastic about learning is lovely yeah yeah what 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 do you find just from your work with teachers you know both in the u.s and all over the world what do you find are some of the main challenges that the profession of yoga teaching is is facing today well one of the the most common questions that i get um in various workshops all over the place um People will um, ask me questions when they about students who are coming to class with some fairly serious problems, um, and teachers want to know what they should do 
when somebody arrives in class and they have a herniated disc in their back or they've had a knee replacement or they've had um, open heart surgery um, so their chest has been opened and the person will come in to class and want and expect the teacher to be able to tell them what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm very concerned both you know, for the patients and also for the for the teachers who are really being put in a almost impossible situation. Um, I tell people that even though I'm a physical therapist and I have been practicing for 40 years, I would not want somebody to with a, a fairly recent total hip surgery to come into my class and want or expect me to be able to give them a personalized program for their for their problem that they have with this hip replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need a chunk of one-on-one time to take the history, evaluate, check their range of motion, read the um, surgery report. And, of course, we, we just can't do that in a class setting. We have a class to teach. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really awkward position for everybody. And... Um, to some degree, I turn it back on the medical profession and on the insurance industry because um, ideally someone would be referred after they've had these major injuries and major surgeries, they'd be referred to physical therapy or other um, professional rehab person to help them understand what they should and shouldn't do, what they need to be careful of, what they need to emphasize. and. People often are not getting that care at all or not enough of it, not extensive or long-lasting enough. So here here comes the, the person to a yoga class hoping to get that kind of help. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a crying need for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, on the positive side, it's great that the medical profession is uh, increasing the recommending yoga uh, and on yeah. the negative side is that um, they really don't know much about um, the qualifications of yoga teachers and the fact that uh, only a subset of yoga teachers have gotten the training they need to be able to uh, handle people with even minor minor issues not to mention hip replacement yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, the teacher, the teacher, some, yes, are definitely qualified, but everybody else, you know, they desperately want to help the person, but they they haven't had the training and the experience with some of these very complicated problems. And yeah. not to mention the fact that you've got a whole class full of people who also want some attention, you know. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a... It's a really difficult situation for the teacher to be put in. Yes, definitely. And um, of course, people come to yoga to get, you know, because they heard about the health benefits of yoga and they, yeah. those have been documented uh, very well in, I think it's more than 3,500 studies now, but then on the flip side of the coin, um, even for people who are not necessarily struggling with health problems, yoga can also lead to muscle strain or, or injuries. Yeah. And I, is that something that you see with yoga becoming more mainstream? Do you feel the number of yoga injuries is, is on the rise? 
You know, I I can't speak for numbers, um, but I I do think there's a problem, and uh, sometimes it's the 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 student um, not knowing when they should back off, and so maybe they're a beginner, but they feel like they should be able to go right into an intermediate class, and they push themselves inappropriately. You know, they're not they're not flexible enough, they're not strong enough. Um, but sometimes it's it's a class, one of the all-levels classes, where um, people who are beginners are, you know, told that it's fine for a beginner to come, but then they're being offered stuff that is way beyond their, their ability to do safely. So I, I do have concern about that. I would hope that beginners would seek out an appropriate beginning-level class and a a teacher who has experience working with beginners, but I would have to be queen of the world for that to happen. So <laughs> always, I don't always get my way of begin, beginners going to beginning classes. <laughs> yeah, and of, of course the, the areas where beginners have challenges are, are fairly predictable depending on um, you know what types of poses we're talking about, but we know that there's going to be issues with tight hamstrings, and we know that many beginning yeah. students have problems with shoulders, arms, and wrists uh, yep. because they come to class with a weak upper body. Yep. So um, you know, are people that come in where you know they complain about wrist pain when they go into downward dog, or um, their shoulders or arms are weak? Um, are they more predisposed into shoulder injuries? Is that something teachers should be particularly alert to? Yes, and that is a perennial concern of mine, um, especially for women who often come to yoga with very little history of upper body strength. Right. And, you know, some people say, well, I used to be, you know, do X, Y, and Z when I was in college, but, you know, some years or even decades have gone by since then. And what a lot of people don't understand is that the shoulder, it's, it's a very cool joint. It's very mobile, so it allows us to do all of those uh, yoga poses with our arms in a variety of positions. Um, but it sacrifices, because it's so mobile, it sacrifices stability. Mm. And so the shoulder is very dependent on soft tissue to hold, you know, to stabilize the ball in the socket and to stabilize the shoulder blade, which, is, which forms the socket. The socket is part of the shoulder blade, of course. So um, if you come to yoga with, um, no recent strength work, then all of the muscles, um, all of the soft tissue, but especially the muscle, is likely to be weak, and then we want to do all these cool weight-bearing things on our arms, and the muscles are not strong enough to, to stabilize the joint. So either the joint can get injured, or the muscles uh, can, and tendons can get strained, so we have strained muscles or we have a tendonitis, shoulders also prone to bursitis, and much of this could be avoided with what I think of as kind of a ramp. So you take the person at the condition that they are in, which is possibly very weak in the upper body, and then 
gradually build up their strength over it it takes months to build up strength to be able to do some of these fancy weight-bearing things that we do on our arms Mm. months or even years speaking my own experience (laughs) yes yeah and people think you know they say well i've been i've been you know working on it for you know so many weeks and that's unfortunately if if you have a big deficit there that's not enough time to build the strength and the endurance that we need to do right, right. salutations for example yeah, yeah 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 and one important side benefit of, of building that strength is you know with age people tend to get more vulnerable to to falls and of course the arms are what you can use to catch yourself and that's yep. another area where you know apart from our yoga practice having that stre- strength in the arms and the wrists uh, it's just so vital. You know, it's interesting. Usually when people are concerned, you know, they're they're aware of ha- that falls are a problem as we get older, and they're aware of, you know, hip fractures. But um, I, I have certainly seen lots of folks who have fallen and broken shoulders or broken a wrist. My own mom fell and broke her wrist. Um, so if we have... Uh, done some of the yoga weight-bearing things, then not only are we building up muscle strength, but of course the theory is that putting stress on a bone helps to remind your body that it needs to keep the mineral, it needs to keep the calcium in the bone. When Mm -hmm. we stress the bone, your body maintains the mineral. Um, And so by doing the weight-bearing things, ideally we're both building muscle strength and we're also helping to maintain the bones so those arm bones, uh, wrists, and shoulders are less likely to fracture when you fall. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing that's interesting about the shoulder is that it's such an unpredictable joint um, because it... Uh, you can get things like frozen shoulder, which seemingly appears out of nowhere, and no one really knows how it happens and nor how to deal with it. Um, so the biomechanics of the joint can really be messed up. Um, yeah. and, and then, of course, there's the frozen shoulder issue, which I also wanted to talk with you about, which is also a pervasive issue. Yep. That's another one that I get a lot of questions about. What should we do with somebody that has a frozen, frozen shoulder and comes to class? Um, and it's not one short, easy answer because it's a complicated problem, especially if it's been going on for a while. But um, it's it's a very complicated problem. And I will say that sometimes we do know why it happened. Um, there was some kind of an injury, sometimes pretty minor injury, Mm -hmm. Um, and then the body reacts with this big inflammatory response, Mm. but sometimes it's it's unknown what has caused it. I personally am suspicious of of hormonal changes, um, but we don't always know, but the end result is that it we have a big problem, it's painful, it loses mobility, people don't want to use the arm. And then it's going to lose even more strength and more mobility because people don't want to use it. And right. it takes it takes a very thorough and persistent approach to f- work your way out of a frozen shoulder. Mm. I wish I had 
I wish I could say to people, just do this position and that'll be the end of the problem. But it's not that simple. Right, right, yeah. And and what about rotator cuff injuries? Could you talk a little bit about those? Because that's another very, very common injury that um, so many people deal with at one point or other. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they are very common. Um, I believe the root of the problem is that people are weak in the rotator cuff, and again, especially women, um, because historically we've done less upper body strengthening. Men will throw in a few push-ups from time to time. Um, But over the years, women tend to get weaker and weaker in the rotator cuff, and the rotator cuff is the main muscle group that stabilizes the ball in the socket. So often these injuries happen. It seems like they're out of the blue. Um, people will go out and throw the frisbee for the dog or they'll do a bunch of window washing or they'll have a fall where they land on their arm and they either strain it, uh, which is quite painful, or they get a big tear in it, which in extreme cases requires surgery. Mm -hmm. I happen to think that the main thing that we can do about rotator cuff is prevention, which means keeping the rotator cuff strong. However old you are, that you start doing things that are going to keep it strong now. And then as the decades go by, you will be less vulnerable to these injuries from doing seemingly innocuous activities. Mm. But it's, it takes um, regular practice of the strengthening things. And fortunately, that's where yoga has, has much to offer if you make sure that you include certain poses and that you work the right alignment in the poses, you can be working your rotator cuff. Mm. So I, it, that's one reason I love to teach about the rotator cuff is because I'm um, encouraging people to integrate these poses with a certain kind of focus to make sure the muscles, rotator cuff muscles are getting worked. Right. Um, and it's protective and that serves us well as the decades go by, so we're less likely to have these very uncomfortable and time-consuming injuries to the rotator cuff. Yeah, yeah. It is working on the ball and socket, shoulder joint, actually shoulder joint muscles, not shoulder girdle muscles. So they are the, the four muscles that are deep around the ball and socket. They help hold the ball in its normal and ideal position uh, just in when you're still they're helping to hold it in position and then as we do various movements and especially in yoga with the arm forward like plank pose or the arm overhead like down dog or handstand or tree pose um, they help position it in opt- position the ball in mm. optimal alignment in the socket Interesting. Um, I have to assume that the word rotator refers to the fact that three of them are powerful rotators, two of them external rotators and one internal rotator, and they sort of form a, a cuff that, like I said, really helps stabilize the ball in the socket both at rest and during movement. Mm. 
So those are the muscles that are weak when, for example, um, a shoulder goes, um, gets uh, out of alignment, or what is it called, um, joint joint um, displacement. Um, sub, uh, subluxation is when the ball is partially out of the socket, and that is due to to uh, one of the muscles, the supraspinatus, um, usually being paralyzed, um, not just not just weak, as far as I know. Mm. Uh, but the shoulder dislocating the first time is is not usually just because of weakness. There's usually some trauma or some really awkward position involved. I see. But once once it's happened, you really want to strengthen the rotator cuff to help prevent the dislocation from happening again. Right, right. Um, Julie, one of the reasons that I caught up with you is also that you have a course on on shoulder uh, health with special focus on the rotator cuff uh, on Yoga U. Uh, could you tell us more about the course and what you're covering? Well, um, yes, I'm very excited about it. The first part we will go over just the basic anatomy. It's not going to be too, too boring, I promise. Um, but it, it's important especially for teachers or people that really want to know more about um, healthy shoulder function, the, the rotator cuff is really pretty mysterious, and people aren't really sure where it is or what it does. And like I said, there's four muscles, and so we will look at each of them, um, help you understand exactly where they are in the body and what what they do and why they're important to the function of the ball and socket joint. Then we are going to do some and illustrate some basic strengthening for the rotator cuff. Um, and the first things that I'm going to show are not necessarily yoga, but my concern is that so many people come to yoga with weak rotator cuff that those muscles are vulnerable if you go right straight into some of the yoga poses like sun salutations. The muscles are way too weak to stabilize the ball in the socket. Mm. So I like to have that little uh, ramp up and start with some things to just get some basic strength and some basic control in the muscle with uh, traditional strength training or therapeutic uh, strength training. Mm. And then we will apply it to simple yoga alignment and, and awareness, alignment awareness in simple poses. And then as we go on into part two, we'll apply it to some of the more uh, challenging weight-bearing positions. Um, so it's going to unfold from, uh, from kindergarten, and then we'll see <laughs> how to gradually build it up to some of the more challenging uh, things we might encounter in a well-rounded yoga practice. That's beautiful. I, I particularly love the way you structure progression into the practice of, of yoga, which is um, somehow a concept that does not get that much attention <laughs> the way yeah. often we approach our practice. We tend to expect we can do everything right off the bat. Yeah, um, yeah. 
And unfortunately, the shoulder is one of those joints that's really, really vulnerable if because it is so mobile and inherently less stable, um, if you try to go to grad school straight away, it can be vulnerable to injuries. And and the sad part of that to me is that people will say, well, I, I can't do yoga because I hurt myself. And thereby they're going to miss out on all of the wonderful benefits um, that right. are to be had. So. Right, right. Yeah, very good point. Wonderful. Well, Julie, thank you so much for, for joining us today and taking the time out of your busy schedule. It was such a great pleasure to talk with you, as always. Thank you, Eva. And uh, we very much look forward to your course. Yes, it's coming right up, I think. Yes, just around the corner. Yep. And everyone listening in, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye.